0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11.
1: A really exciting new uh, segment that we'll be having with the Geelong Jail every month to talk about a different aspect of its history. And this month we're talking about um, the history of escapes. And we've got with us on the line an escape guide from the Geelong Jail. Uh, Andrew is involved in their education office. Andrew, good morning. Thank you for being on the program.
0: Good morning, Mitchell, and hello to you and all your listeners. How are we today?
1: Good, thank you. And it's really exciting to be able to hear about the history of Geelong Jail because uh, I went to the Geelong Jail a couple of weeks ago and I uh, had a bit of a look around and it's amazing how much history there is right there and a lot of people don't realise that there's so much history that people can go and have a look at.
0: It really is. Um, it's it's an amazing place, hidden away behind those, those huge, great red brick walls. As soon as you walk in that front gate, it's an imposing blue stone building as you walk in, you feel that sense of, oh my goodness, what on earth would have people thought if they were coming in here? I'm only coming in for the afternoon. What on earth would people think coming in for days, weeks, months, or even the term of their natural life into a place like that? There's no, to give you a sense of perspective, back in the 18, 1853 when that place opened, right through until it shut its doors in 1991, which really is not all that long ago. No, it's not. There, there was no, The conditions in there, it was literally all about... Now, however, right through that 100-plus years that the place was open and receiving guests of Her Majesty, there was no heating, there was no cooling, there was no coverings on the bars. So even on a day like today... You're open to the elements, and it is really is a desperate place that you would end up. It's awful. The feeling of dread for some of the people in there was just terrible. And, and um, f- we got the full
1: winter experience going there a couple of weeks ago. You got that full <laughs> draftiness coming through, and yeah, even how dark it is as well. You know,
0: oh, dark and damp and boring. To be honest with you, You'd be in there for you could could well have been in your cell for twenty two hours a day. Either on your own, or with even two, or even um, up to three, yeah, up to three of you in a cell at any one time, and they're not that big, are they? I mean, you, you probably could stand in the middle of it and touch both side walls and the door and the back wall just by standing there and stretching your hand, hands out.
1: And uh, no mattresses or anything like that as well, I believe.
0: Well, that's right. Up until um, the end of the Second World War, prior to that, for about a hundred years. All they had were horsehair and straw mattresses with a layer of blankets. You'd probably have three, four blankets. Um, you wouldn't have any amenities like you have today. Not only running water, you'd have a bucket in the corner that you do your ablutions in, and also another pail of water that you could wash your face and hands in. Or even and, and even drink it if you wanted to, but it's there for seven days, so the choice is yours, quite frankly. But the um, the bucket that you do your ablutions in, you take that with you every morning and sling out the contents into a sewer pit out in the backyard. It's a really it's a really basic existence, and that was the same right up until 1991 when it, when it shut, and everyone was transferred across to Balman. So you can imagine. The reason why we're talking today is about some of the escapes and the desperation on some people. Um, they would have been thinking about their families. They would have been thinking about there's a better place outside these four walls than, than what I'm the situation I'm in at the moment. And they would have had plenty of time on their hands to work out how to get out of that place.
1: It was fascinating to see some of the escape attempts that had uh, that tried to take place. I don't know how many of them were successful. Yes. You can inform us of that. But I think well, one of them involved out sure. uh, the radio room, didn't it? Yes, that's right.
0: And uh, a lot of your listeners, um, they probably lived through the era that this happened in, actually. Um, we had in there Edwin Eastwood and Michael Pantic. And Edwin Eastwood was responsible back in 1972 for the Faraday kidnapping, which was six children and one teacher. Now, when he was incarcerated for part of his term, um, of his um, jail sentence, it was actually in the Geelong Jail. And he built up enough confidence with the authorities for them to trust him, stupidly, to actually have access to a cell that was a radio room. And he could walk through a side wall of his cell into the radio room play a few vinyl records or a big old tape cassette player and people would be able to listen with their headsets in some of the cells around the place. What he did was got in touch with the guy in the cell next to him, became quite friendly with him, a guy called Pantic, and they used some cutlery knives to chisel out the mortar between their two cells. They patched it up with paper or they put their bed back over it during the daylight hours they were trusted enough, as I say, by the guards to not have their cells searched. And over a period of time, they knocked a hole between each other's cells and they crawled, Pantic crawled through into the cell of Eastwood. They then walked through into the radio room where the cell was there, chiseled a hole in the wall, got out into a little corridor, busted a lock on an out, on a door that had access into the rear yard where the laundry used to stand, and then literally disappeared now, some a few weeks later, Eastwood was responsible for the, um, Warine kidnapping. He had a beef, a bee in his bonnet, a bit of a beef about an injustice, supposed injustice that had happened before. And, um, to a friend of a friend of a friend or something like that. So he walked into a school in South Gippsland. The teacher, he was on day nine of his first ever teaching job. This guy walks in with chains, padlocks, a pistol rounds them all up, puts them in a combi van, takes them up the hills through some fire tracks and across some logging tracks, crashes en route into a logging truck, kidnaps those two guys in there. A couple of backpackers come around the corner in their little van, they get kidnapped as well. And then long story short, one of the truck drivers actually escaped, raised the alarm and this guy was re-arrested. But um, yeah, it was a very, very famous case back then. So, what they did to stop the escapes of people who had a cell alongside a corridor or that had access to an outdoor area was basically put steel plating across the walls so no one else could get out.
1: Amazing. And and yeah, as you said, the teacher was on day nine. I mean, imagine that being nine days into a job and having to overcome that. But I think that teacher actually went on, didn't they, and had a long and successful career.
0: Yes, and he's actually spoken in the... He came into the jail only a couple of months ago and he's written a book, Day Nine at Reen, and um, he's a pastor down on the Bellarine, so he's a local guy. And, um, yeah, he does do talks to um, kids, let's say the sort of later teenage era era in their later school years and teaches them about what happened to him, how to overcome things in life in a, let's say, sensible manner, in a reasonable way as opposed to um, going around kidnapping people, put it that way, I think.
1: So in terms of uh, Geelong Jail over its life, how many successful escapes were there? That was obviously one of them.
0: Yeah, well, we had a few. My character, I'm actually a tour, tour guide character. All of our guides play a character of someone that was either incarcerated or someone that worked or somehow involved with the jail over the years. Now, my character is John McHenry, and if you look him up on a site called Trove, it gives you a lot of the old um, newspaper articles. Now he was fairly successful because he came over from England, um, having been sentenced to a number of years in WA because of stealing, allegedly. Everyone's innocent in there, of course. Allegedly stealing money, hmm. and um, he escaped from Fremantle, got on a sh- jumped onto a ship and came across the bay, ended up in Melbourne. Someone clocked that he was an escapee. Um, he was put in front of a magistrate. And they said to him, look, we're not going to incarcerate you, but you have 10 days to clear off. Like, get out of the state. We're not paying for you. So he went to New South Wales, didn't like it, came back to Victoria and was spotted again. And then he was put into the Geelong Jail. Now, he had fought for um, Queen Victoria in the Crimea and also on the Indian subcontinent. So he's owed a war pension. But the trouble is, If the um, paperwork catches up with him in the jail, that's it. He's going to lose his pension. So he's thinking about it. He's doing hard labour out in the backyard, breaking rocks with a ball and chain around his ankle. He manages to get that ball and chain off. He had allegedly paid off someone to hide some builder's overalls in the yard. He simply slipped them over his uniform and at the end of the day, literally just walked out with the rest of the workmen that were on site. And he t- even tipped his hat to the guard on the gate, hmm. walked off. It's noted in the local newspaper that he walked past the um, the line of taxi cabs, which were then horse and carriage, of course, down in Geelong in Murable Street. And some of them recognised him and just assumed he had finished his sentence. He gave him a wave and then ended up back in Williamstown. And he escaped. A very successful one, that one. You
1: have to admire the confidence of the man.
0: Well, that's right. Desperate times, I suppose. He wanted to get back to his missus, and he also wanted to ensure that his war pension was paid out to him.
1: And yeah. some Victorians would say who could blame him for not liking New South Wales? <laughs> well, at the moment, he's justified in
0: coming back here, isn't he, really?
1: <laughs> wow. So they're, oh, they're sort of the notable
0: ones. Uh, any others? Mm. Well, yes, we had a a recent one in recent times, 1986. Oh, wow. A guard, yeah, not that long ago, um, an inmate by the surname of Connell and another one by the name of Victoria, they were actually in the laundry area, which has just been, unfortunately, just knocked down in the laundry yard in the back of the um, perimeter of the building. And they were trusted enough to do the washing and that sort of thing. And there's one guard tower that overlooks that whole yard now they picked their time they played the game they had undone a ladder in one of the um, steam rooms where the boiler was that was used for maintenance when the guard had his back turned for literally a minute they nipped in there grabbed the ladder quickly marched across the yard and put it up against the wall now connell was managed managed to get right to the top of that ladder and the guard suddenly noticed what was going on. He shouted to them, get down, what the hell do you think you're doing? Raised his pistol, he had a .38, shot it in the air as a warning. Connell gave him a two-finger salute, and then literally the guard went, right, that's it. Shot him, and it went straight through his right-side buttock. Oh. He fell off the ladder, poor bloke. Then Vittoria thought, well, I can make it, surely, no problem there. He gets up the ladder. The guard, still shouting and screaming, pulls the alarm, pulls his trigger as well on the 38 and shoots him straight through the elbow. Of course, he can't. He's unable to get back up the ladder, Mm. so he falls to the ground. Everyone gets rounded up. They get dragged off to the Alfred, patched up, and then incarcerated in maximum security up in Pentridge only a few days later. So, yeah, that was literally 1986, not that long ago.
1: And as you say, the prison only closed in uh, 1991, which really wasn't that long ago. And then I think the uh, inmates or convicts were then transferred over to Bowen Prison. So that must have been like the lap of luxury by comparison.
0: Oh, by comparison, yes. The, um, and I think that um, when we talk, we actually, we're, we're very, um, how can we say um, very private about it, but we do ask permission when ex-inmates come in, when the museum's open, they'll come in, the a wander around, they'll talk to us about their experiences in there. And it is fascinating to hear what goes on. Uh, you know, um, how the hierarchy works within there, certain people in charge. If you want to stand out, you're going to stand out. If you just want to keep your head down and get on with life, that's what you do. You do your time, head down, and eyes in the back of your head wide open, your nose squeaky clean, and hopefully you'll get out in one piece. But we have had some very very famous people in there infamous shall we say and angus murray was one of those people he um as she escaped from there cell 51 if you go into the jail swing a right in the west wing up to the first floor cell 51 is where angus murray in 1923 he managed to have a chisel smuggled in and angus murray is the sidekick the henchman of Squizzy taylor that used to run one of the Razor gangs up in Melbourne. Now, he actually chiselled out some of the bars, managed to squeeze through, drop down into the yard and clear it off. He was said that Squizzy was waiting for him in a car out on, on um, Myers Street, and they shot off up to Melbourne. But however, they needed money. So in a couple of weeks, they backed up to their old tricks. And they're in Melbourne, and um, Angus Murray... Squizzy Taylor, Ida Pender, who was a a female friend of Squizzy Taylor, all get involved with a guy called Richard Buckley. And they had the idea to go and accost a bank manager and take some money off him. Now, unfortunately, Richard Buckley, who was a bit of a sidekick and a bit of a hothead, he ended up shooting the bank manager. And the bank manager was called Thomas Berryman, and he passed away. So everyone gets rounded up, apart from Richard Buckley, who did a runner. So Squizzy, Ida and also Angus, someone has to take the fall for it. Squizzy was well connected. He managed to get himself and his girlfriend, Ida, off of all charges, totally innocent, but someone had to take the fall. And unfortunately, it was going to be Angus Murray. So on the 14th of April, 1924, the last man ever executed in Melbourne jail, unfortunately, was Angus Murray. His last three words, as he turned round. There, the executioner in the eye, stiff up a lip, and turned around and said, Mate, pull it tight and wow. with that he was he was gone. But that was one way of escaping jail. A permanent one, Death. unfortunately. Mm. But yes. Yeah,
1: well, that's so I... incredible. Look, thank you very much for being on the program this morning, and I have to say uh, it's one thing hearing you tell the stories, but when you also hear the stories, but then actually see for yourself you know you mentioned that steel plating, for example, when you can see the steel plating that's been added there mm. to try and stop them from escaping, it just adds a whole other dimension. So I really hope people go and check out the Geelong jail because it's incredible history right here on our doorstep. Yeah.
0: and all all credit to our curator and also um, our curator, Rob, and also, Deb Robinson as well. The work that they have put into that over the COVID period is absolutely astounding. And the team at Twisted History and the old Geelong Jail um, Museum, absolutely, we, it's a passion to all of us. So come in, talk to our staff. We have paranormal investigations there late at night. If you're into ever into that, Mitchell... <laughs> Come on down. You'll love it. Yeah. It's amazing. so many different angles, isn't there?
1: They're paranormal. Oh, so That's many. one thing, but then, Changes. yeah, escapes. And this is really good because every month we'll be talking about a different aspect of Geelong Jail on the program. So thank you very much and hopefully we'll talk again Wonderful.
0: soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank and you, good Rick. day to everybody that listens in on Pulse. Sipping.
1: Thank you very All much. Right. Andrew with us there from Geelong Jail, who is one of their escape guides.